0: I sometimes wonder, especially now that my family and I are returning to Israel after a three-year educational stint in London, um, if I would have to give somebody, let's say my child, one piece of advice for him to take on his journey, what would it be? Welcome to this week's podcast, where we left off last week was that we have to figuratively grab the bull by its horns, no pun intended, and work on ourselves between Passover and Shavuos, the time when we got out of exile and the time when we entered into a relationship with God. However, a blanket statement of work on yourself is sometimes very hard to put into practice. How do we deal with the fact that sometimes we feel very stuck in our ways? I can't change, I've been like this for my whole life. Additionally, nowadays, With the COVID lockdown, the feeling of being stuck very much resonates with people. How do we use this time to actually make a difference, to actually work between Passover and Shavuos? So the fascinating thing is that the Torah gives us um, a guide by the very structure with which the commandments are being given about Shemitah. And it's actually connected to something we're very familiar with, which is the Shabbos. Let me explain. We are told to celebrate seven Shabbasos between Passover and Shavuos before we um, receive the Torah. And it makes it very clear that you have to count seven Shabbasos, not 49 days, not between Pesach and this and this date, seven Shabbasos. And Shabbos itself is uh, the pinnacle of a seven-day week. So we definitely see the number seven in this pattern is very, very much brought to the fore. Well, what do our sages teach us about the number seven? Now, seven is one of the big numbers in Judaism, and the Maharal um, discusses all different deep meanings to do with numbers, and, and what he says about seven is very illuminating, is it seven is the maximum of physical expression. Where can we see this? Uh, seven colors of the rainbow, seven, seven uh emanations of light in the physical world um, the seven notes in music the seven days of the week we also see in uh, there's a, a saying seven times a righteous person will fall and get up again and the sages actually say that what do you mean seven times it doesn't mean seven it means the maximum time a say a righteous person will fall and get up again the maximum amount of times and that in fact makes him said righteous person. So when we look at seven, we have to not look at seven, we have to look at the concept of maximum physical expression. So Shabbos makes perfect sense. We work for six days and and we crown the week with Shabbos. What does Shabbos teach us? Shabbos teaches us that everything we did that week is for a higher purpose. Everything we did that week is meaningful. We didn't just work, 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 and now we rest. No, no, no. We were working towards Shabbos. We were working towards fulfilling a meaningful existence in this world. Now, this is a very deep and very beautiful concept, uh, which we're not going to completely go into right now. But suffice it to say that God worked and created the world for six days, and he rested. The fact that he rested showed that he was completely free to create those six days. If you can stop, then you can choose to do Uh, An obsessive gambler can't stop. So in a way, he's not choosing to gamble either. When we do the same as God and we work for six days and then we stop, we are showing we are not addicted to work. We are not addicted to this material world. We can stop. We can rest. And then not just that restful day becomes holy, but our work becomes holy. And of course, this works perfectly with the number seven. We are showing that everything in this material world, from the food that we're eating, to the to the wine that we're drinking, to the work, it doesn't just stay static in this world. It is all for something higher, for our spiritual purpose in this world. Okay, so that's Shabbos and that's seven, teaching us that even the maximum of physicality doesn't end there. We take it a step higher. We take it to a meaningful spiritual place. However, in this week's Parsha, we are told the concept of Shemitah, which in a nutshell is six years work your land and seventh year, this is for the farmer, leave it. Do not prune it. Do not water it. Leave it to grow completely wild. You may not even um, take the produce and sell it. And this is a huge, huge test for any farmer. And uh, throughout history, there have been reported uh, miracles for Hashem providing to these farmers, their livelihood, despite the fact that their field isn't growing um, the way they would want it to be. Um, so here we have the same pattern. Six years, grow your field, and the seventh year, leave everything lie fallow. And again, this is the same lesson, just not on a personal level, but, Rav says, on a national level. Before, you had your own personal life, your own personal promotion that you're trying to get, your own personal thesis you're trying to write, and you stop. What are you showing when you stop? You're showing my thesis, my promotion I'm trying to get All is for a higher purpose. That's why I'm stopping and I'm reflecting and I'm recharging. Um, and the same thing you're doing here with Shemitah. You're showing that, yes, I have to work my field. I have to plow and I have to water and I have to harvest. But this isn't just where it ends. I'm not just dependent on a field. I don't have to be filled with anxiety. When will my produce come? I trust in God. I trust that there's a higher meaning to anything that happens. And that's why in the seventh, I'm doing the ultimate sacrifice and I am stopping to work my field. And that is on a national level, showing this concept of seven, that not just my personal life, not just my personal job, but the entire agriculture, which is basically in the olden days, that was the entire economy of Israel. We are aligned upon God. Which is why Shemitah, more than any other commandment throughout history, has always been known as the commandment of sacrifice and trust. And you can imagine, your field, that was your livelihood. That was, you can see everything getting brown, you can see everything dying, and you are trusting that it's going to work out. And miraculously, it did. So we have this comparison between your microcosm, your Shabbos, and the macro the land of Israel, laying fallow in the seventh year with the number seven. But this goes one level deeper because what we are told, again, the Maharal talks about this, that if you take the number and times it by itself, you get that concept, but to its maximum, you get that concept on a whole deeper level. So if we're talking about looking at the material world and seeing it as a means to a higher end versus an end to in itself, what is Omer teaching us? Which is seven times Shavas, seven times this lesson in, um, you'd call it material freedom. Why am I using the word freedom? Because again, a free person can choose when to work and when to rest. The ultimate example of someone who's not free is someone who's addicted. That is someone who's, well, in a free world, but not free within himself. So, ultimate freedom is being able to choose when to work, when to rest. That's what we're showing here. So, seven times seven in the Omer, guiding us up to Shavuos, is teaching us, be a student of Shabbos. Learn seven times, the maximum times, again, what the seven-day period of a week is trying to teach you. The seven days is trying to teach you work and rest, showing our um, use of material as a means rather than an end, to be a user of material rather than a drown, drowning in material. Use that seven times, leading you up to what? Leading you up to Shavuos. When you, who have become a student of of the world, a student of what Shabbos can teach you, now you are entering into a higher sphere. Not just the material has more, but what is that more? The Torah, the relationship with God, the commandments, each giving that spark to everything. The, the Hasidic masters talk about how every single thing in this world has hidden sparks in it that you can just choose to elevate or ignore or destroy. A bottle of water isn't just a bottle of water. It has sparks in it that you can elevate with a blessing. That's exactly what we're talking about here. Six days work hard. Seventh day you rest, showing that all that six had meaning, has something higher. Do that seven times and become a student of it. And then receive the Torah, which shows you exactly. It's the manual of how to do that. But you have become the vessel to receive that. And just the parallel in Shemitah, to connect it to this week's Parsha, is in Shemitah time, there's also that concept of seven times seven. Seven years is one Shemitah period. Six six years you work your land and you are, so to speak, a slave to your land. But then you show, no, we're leaving it fallow because the land itself is also just a means to our end of serving God. Do that seven times. Ingrain it in yourself. And then the 50th year, so seven times seven, is the year of Yovel. And Yovel's a big deal. All slaves go free. All property owners have to give back the land to who originally, originally, when they came into Israel, owned that land. Can you imagine what that'll do? The eco- entire econ- economy shifts. People don't have their... Um, their work hands anymore. People don't have their lands anymore. They go back to their rightful owners. You can only do that if you've become a student in the knowledge that this land is not yours. This land is God's. Your work is dependent on God. And this is a huge reset button. Um, I'm a programmer, so um, I'm very familiar with the word pristine. Pristine in programming language means if something was never touched. A button can be pristine when you first load a website. So after Yoival, the the land of Israel goes back to its pristine state. Everybody gets a fresh start. So to recap, we have the concept of seven, meaning uh, maximum material expression. in Shemitah, that teaches us that our land, what we're so dependent on, is also only a means to an end. And on Shabbos, we're, we're teaching that our work for six days is elevated and is dependent upon God and is elevated by Shabbos. And now we have its maximum effect, seven times seven, be a student of that concept of Shabbos and then enter in a relationship with God where you are actually learning how to fill that vessel of trust and work. and Yevah, be a student of Shemitah. Be a student of the fact that your land is only a means to an end. And then on yovel, you give back the people which you have. You give back the land which you have. Back to its pristine state. So to answer the question, what would I tell my child who's going out into the world and he wants one piece of advice? What would I tell him? I would tell him, be a student of the world. Things that come to us aren't arbitrary. We all have things that happen to us all the time, again and again. And it sometimes even feels like, why do I have to go through this again? I know this already. But if you choose to be a student of life, then every single thing that happens to you, even if it's the 50th time, is there to either teach you a little nuance new or to hammer it down, to really show you that you are solid in that aspect of your life. Let's say you have an annoying roommate. Why do I have to go through this for the 70th time? Either because you haven't learned how to deal with it, and it's trying to show you to either be more forgiving or more assertive, even if it has to do with the 70th time, or it's showing you to really solidify what you've been trying to work on. But if you choose to be a student of life, you'll look for those concepts. You'll look where can i grow where can i take to use this podcast's language where can i use the material concepts in our life where can i use those static things my money my relationships my stuff for something higher where is the means here that i can use for a higher end to become a more giving person to become a more holy person to become a more humble person Be a student of life. That's what I would tell my child. Wherever you go, anything that happens, if it's a success, great. How can I learn from my success? Can I ask for feedback? Someone gives me a compliment. I don't just say thank you. I say, can I ask you, what was it exactly that you liked? Because I'd like to learn. People are more than happy to tell you. And if something's not a good experience, rather than just being a victim, oh, this happened to me again, okay, how can I learn from this? I'd love to hear your feedback and have a great week.